My name is Susie. I have three children, the youngest of whom struggles with anxiety, depression, and suicidal ideation. I never thought this could happen to me, and I miss the signs. Being a parent is really hard, but I'm here to help. I'm talking to other parents and experts to help you with the struggles that your kids may face. I want you to know that you are not alone and there is hope. I'm not a physician, therapist, or counselor. I'm just a mom. I want to see you smile again, take away that pain in them clouds that keep covering up the sun. This episode of the Just a Mom podcast is the second in a two-part series with Coach Jareen Dowling, assistant men's basketball coach at Kansas State University. If you have not listened to the previous episode, go back and listen to it before you start this one. Thanks again for listening to the Just a Mom podcast. Now here's the rest of my conversation with Coach Dowling. I did every activity because I felt like, because there was a lot of cameras in there. So I feel like they were studying people, watching people. So I said, if I could act as normal as possible, they'll tell me I'm okay and I can leave. I didn't know that a mental hospital was like, you, I don't know if I'm saying it right. You can be voluntary or involuntary to leave. Mm-hmm, right. You can leave right. on your own. I didn't know that. So my brother came unchecked on me. I was like, yeah, I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. This is, this is awesome. This is great. I'm in group studies. I got NFL players. I got doctors. I got judges, like, in the same group with me. So I'm like, man, what is going on here? Like, holy crap. Like, this dude's a judge. This dude's in the NFL. Like, like holy crap. Like, there's other people going through what I'm going through. I don't know what their situation is, but, like, all right, he's a judge, so I'm not that mm. bad. Okay, he's an NFL player, so, okay, all right, you know. And um, I did all the activities, and I was like, bro, I'm fine. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to attack, you know, get back on my feet. I left, and 48 hours, I crashed even mm. harder. And it got to the point where I... I was I was outside of my brother's house, like walking around barefooted, which I do normally though. But this was different. I was just outside like in space, not understanding what I was what was really, really going on with me. So I went back to my brother and said, Bro, I wanna go back. And he looked at me like, huh? And I went back and I was there for like three weeks and I actually gave in and like said alright do what y'all gotta do mm-hmm. and I trusted those people and they saved my life they educated me they showed me that I was brave uh, they showed me I was courageous uh, and they just basically explain to me how the mind works and how strong the mind is and how important for your mind to be right. You know, like, I know everybody thinks you got to have the six-pack. Everybody thinks you got to, you know, look great and have the fly car or whatever that makes you think you Mm -hmm. feel okay. But... They showed me so many exercises to exercise your mind. 
you know, because your mind needs it as well, too. And uh, those people saved my life with the, the groups they had me in, with the people, hearing the different stories from other people. And they made me realize that it's okay to not be okay. And they made me realize that it was okay to ask for help. And they applauded me throughout my whole transgression uh, that I kept fighting and asking yes. for help. And they kept telling me how great that was, how brave that was, how awesome that was. And it was just a life-changing experience. I don't, I can't tell somebody else what to do. And I don't want to tell anybody else what to do. But it worked yeah. for me. And that's why I'm here sitting in front of you, Miss Susie, um, on your beautiful podcast. And I'm able to share my story, a little light into what mm -hmm. I experienced from my brother to what I experienced for myself. And they've given me the courage to speak yeah. about it. And people are gonna judge you anyway. I'd rather people judge me for me being who yeah. I am than who for, for who they think right. I am. So that's why it's okay for me to use my platform and talk about mental health and talked about my times when I didn't feel yeah. good. Because I remember the one resonating thing my brother, Dr. Charles Tolson, said to me as I walked out the hospital. He put his arm around me. He's a little shorter, but he still tried to put his arm around me. And um, he said, uh, hey, bro, I love you. You're okay. He said 98% of people have something wrong with them. At least you now know what it is, how you fight it, how you, you know, how you live with it, you know? And when he said that, it, was, it gave me such a calmness. Uh, it came over me. And it just, it made me a better basketball coach. It made me a better brother, sibling. Uh, it, made me, it just made me so much better, like, I kind of like felt like I had superpowers mm. for a second, you know, because I could see tendencies or just things that people were doing around me, whether it was my players, coworkers, like made me ask them, oh, yo, mm -hmm. you okay? You know, and I used the coach Tang mechanism. You ask a person three mm. times in the same conversation if they're okay. And the third time they'll really tell you how mm. they're feeling. And uh, I was just able to bust through that. And I still struggle with it. But now I can speak on it and I can use the exercises that I learned, how to control it, combat it. And I'm so open mm -hmm. about it that I can speak to anybody about it and be like, yo, I'm not feeling okay yeah. today. You know, uh, I'm, I'm gonna change the music I'm listening today. I'm gonna walk outside in the grass barefooted today. I'm gonna take a cold shower today. Like, I know a lot of different things yeah. to do to like, you know, move mm -hmm. forward, you know? Uh, Cause it's not something you, if you fix and right. it's over with. It's, it's no, not it's like not. that. It's all good. It's a, it's a long you know? journey. Yeah, so uh, it just, uh, it's, it's crazy. I, I actually racked up about $60,000 in hospital mm. bills because I even went to the hospital in Texas without my brother knowing <laughs> first. 
Wow. Yeah. You know? Wow. And because, uh, you know, when you switch jobs, mm -hmm. you have that period with no insurance. Yeah. And it just so happened I was going to the mm -hmm. hospital and doing all these different things, you know, yeah. trying to feel better during that time. So I'm sorry for being oh, so long winded. Oh, you have no reason to apologize. This is your story is incredible. And I have so many questions swirling around in my head based on things that you said. And so if you don't mind, I'd like to kind of unpack some of it because I Go think ahead. that 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 can be really helpful for the listeners. So number one, I want to tell you, you said that you felt like for the longest time that your brother's death was your fault. And yes. I want you to know that it wasn't your fault. And I hope that you know that now through all the work that you've done. And I can, I can certainly understand as best I can why you would feel that way. And I know as a parent, when my son was experiencing suicidal thoughts and, and ideation, I felt very responsible too because he was my son. And how could that happen? And, but I want you to know that it's not, your brother's death was not your fault. And I just wanted to say that to you so that um, maybe you can just think about that. And, and I hope that you know Thank that. Thank you. The other thing that is so striking to me about your story is how many friends and family members you have had come alongside you in significant ways. And I want to applaud all those people for what they did to help you and to help get you to the point where you were like, okay, I'm ready to do this. I'm ready to go to the hospital. I'm ready to take this seriously. I want, I don't want to feel like this anymore. So it, it, it's, it's a lot, a lot of people, of people. Help me. which is great. I had a grad assistant uh, at North Texas when I got there that slept on my couch in my dorm room while we were like, you know, looking for places yeah. to live. His name is TJ Cox. He's now an assistant at um, Northwestern State. He slept on my couch for a week. Wow. Nobody else on the staff mm. knew, but he slept on my couch because I told him, like I said, um, I can't sleep at night, man. I, I don't want to harm myself. Do you mind sleeping on my couch just to make sure I don't harm myself? And he did it for a whole week. And you know what's the best thing about TJ? Uh, he never told wow. his soul what he yeah. did for me. That's amazing. He never, no rumors. Hey, I slept on the couch so Coach Reem didn't hurt himself. Like, I had so many people in my corner. Mm -hmm. uh, my sister, uh, Loretta, who lived in the Virgin Islands, she uh, would call me at night, and I would put my phone on speakerphone, and she would stay on the phone with me until I fall asleep. Mm. You know, wow. like I wake up in the morning and see that she was on the phone with me for four hours, you know, just trying to make sure I go to sleep. You know, she'll fall asleep on her end, but we just kept that phone plugged yeah. in. I had so many wow. people in my corner. It's 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 unbelievable. It's amazing. And so for the listeners, I would say get people in your corner if you don't have them. But I think everybody does have people in their corner if they're willing to open up and share. And that's the other thing that I want to talk about is how you kept saying, I don't feel good. I need help. Yeah. And you didn't give up even when people didn't know what was wrong. 
and you didn't know what was wrong because this all started many years ago when we weren't talking about mental health right Mm -hmm. and so you probably had no idea did you know maybe did you think you were having a heart attack or did you think that I, i did i did at one point i did when i was in dallas I, I did. I thought I was having a heart attack. I really, really did. Like, I had so many yeah. thoughts. I can't even check them off. I had a lot of thoughts. In Dallas, when I went to the hospital in Denton, I thought I was yeah. having a heart attack. And the people was like, yo, you're fine. You're like, everything is fine. I was like, no, I don't feel I, fine. And that's so interesting, too, to think that you went to multiple hospitals. Everybody was like, there's nothing physically wrong with you. We've run, we've, we've run all these tests. The doctors, the nurses are like, there's nothing wrong with you. I hope and f- I think we've come a long way since then where emergency rooms are more equipped to handle or to understand mm-hmm. perhaps that someone might be in a mental health crisis as opposed to a physical crisis when they come in. But yeah. I'm, I'm kind of blown away that in Chicago, the third time you went to the hospital, they were like, security, get this guy out of here. Wow. Yeah. Yep. I mean, that yeah. could have really gone the wrong way. Yeah, it, it, it could have. Yeah. It could have. And, it, like, I was just, I, like, when they did that, I was like, crap, I can't yeah. go back. As much as I wanted to, I, I couldn't go back. Mm-hmm. You know? I couldn't that's, go back. So. That's. And as Coach Tang, as Coach Tang would say, because I'm around him every day, uh, doesn't make them bad right. people. It just means that they have a flaw or they just didn't want to go the extra mile. So I'm not, I'm not mad sure. at them. I don't want to protest sure. against them, like nothing like that, well, you know? It, yeah, and again, I think we've come a long way since that. What year was that? 20. Okay, so that was 11 years yeah. ago. Yeah. And I can tell you, we were not talking about mental health even 11 years yeah. ago, or barely starting to scratch the surface. So I believe we've come a long way. We still have a long way to go, to be clear, long way. <laughs> as a society, as a people, but we have right. made some strides since then. You talk a lot about Coach Tang and for our listeners who might not be familiar with Coach Tang, he is the head coach of Kansas State. You two have been friends for many years, and this is the first, well, it's not really the first time you've worked for him because I've read about it, but this is the first time you've been an assistant for him at the college level, correct? But you've been friends for many years. Talk about the impact that he has had on your life and his friendship has had on your life? Uh, <laughs> priceless. Um, words can't describe it, um, what he means to me, what his family means to me. Uh, because even when I was going through that situation, he never turned his back on me. Um, he, he, he had my back. Um, he he still invited me into his home when I was going through this, you know, uh, for his him and his family to like put love around me uh, and try to like give me some normalcy. Um, 
his, his leadership every day in how he coaches me to be a better man, be a better husband, be a better father. Um, you know, he's helped me improve my faith because uh, that was something I struggled with, you know, when, when I lost my brother. Like, to be honest, I took a break. I'm like, God, you just took my brother. Like, is, is this really even worth it, you know? Um, and he's, uh, what people see is what he really is. There's, there's nothing fraudulent about this man. Like who he is. Like I get on his nerves sometimes. Sometimes in staff meetings, he'll say, stop, enough. <laughs> and once he says that, I stop. But I don't walk out of there being like, man, Coach Tang just embarrassed me. I know he loves me. You know, I know he loves me unconditionally. Uh, he challenged me every day to be better. My wife might call and ask for something, and i like, babe, I got you. And I hang up the phone, and he'd be like, dude, your tone, that was, that was not a good tone. Like, he coaches you to wow. that point. He has a rule when we're in a staff meeting. If your wife calls... Wow. Answer. I don't care what we're talking about. That's incredible. About. Yeah, he, he said, your, your spouse, your significant other, you answer that phone. I don't care what we're talking about. Even if you're in midsection talking and you're giving your point, stop and answer mm. the phone. Wow. He said, never not answer. He said, I don't want nobody on my staff texting their wives saying, I call mm. you back. Answer. <laughs> You know, wow. that's the type of human being that we're around. And again, he, he married me and my wife in our living room. You know, only only beef I had with him is like the whole uh, wedding. He was just telling me all the stuff I had to do. He didn't tell her <laughs> she had to do anything. And then I had to say I do after that. I was like, coach, what? Well, come on, you know. So uh, I, I just love him. I love who he is. Uh, I love what I get to see every day. I love what I get to learn every day. I love getting to be around him. And as he would say, I get to live life with him every single day. You know? Uh, yeah. It's unbelievable. It's And I can talk openly about my mental health. And now I feel I've educated my staff on it to the point where they even talk about it now. And that was my next question actually was, okay, so you have learned all of this you practice your coping mechanisms when you start yes you know down you know down the dark path and you are a coach and you've been a coach for many many years how do you use your own mental health struggles to to coach your players to mentor to them and also to your your coworkers. We we have a great mental health department here for our student athletes, um, ran by Annie and Deja. Uh, they do a really really good job. They're very active, probably the most active, outgoing group I've ever been a part of. I feel like a lot of people have it and just check the box for safety measures so they don't get a lawsuit mm -hmm. or whatever. But they're really really active. Um, 
in showcasing it. And I talk to my players about my situation. I tell them. So when they are upset with themselves for missing five shots in a row, I say, if this is, you know, my one of my best friends, Ross Hodge, would say, like, if this is your struggle, you know, missing five shots, you're going to live a hell of a life if this is what you're upset about because it's just a game. And my openness, I think, I think have helped some of our players be open and ask for help. I probably remember last year, five or six of our guys, like, going and seeking help. And it could be from something at home. It could be from basketball. Whatever it is, go yeah. get help. Nothing is too small or too big not to get help. And I think that's where people make the mistake. Yes, I completely agree with you. And I've had some experts on, and we've talked about that, like 988, the number, you don't have to wait until you're in a crisis to call that number. Right. And it's the same thing with your players where they they have access to an amazing uh, mental health staff at K-State, and they're, they're using that. And that's a great message to share with anybody. Take advantage right. of whatever resources you have, and there's never anything too small to start talking to someone about. Well, and I think there's so much pressure, and I'm sure you know this far more than I do. There is unbelievable pressure on student-athletes, particularly at the level at which you are coaching. And these are young, young folks. These are 18 to 23-year-olds, and it's I, I, I will watch basketball games sometimes. You know, we, we love basketball and March Madness, and it's fun. And my heart always breaks for the kid who misses the last second shot and, or, you know, misses the free throw that would have put, put the team ahead. And because I feel like there's just an inordinate amount of pressure on them to perform. I, I, I'll probably get in trouble <laughs> for this, but I, I really don't care. I know Coach Tang will forgive me. Um, the NIL, yes. it's a great thing. Okay, it's a great thing. I don't, don't, it's a phenomenal thing. But what are gonna, what is gonna happen to some of these kids when they come out of college and they don't make that type mm. of money? They're gonna start to think they're mm. not worth it. They're not good enough. Nobody's thinking about the mental health aspect yeah. in that. Cause usually you go from rags to riches. That's the scene. Now it's mm. reverse. Some might be going from riches yeah. to rags. And how are you supposed to right. handle that? You know, when this lump sum of money is not reality for you after a year or two or three or four years in college. And if you don't make it to the NBA and 90% of the guys that supposedly making this large sum of money, they're not going to make that in their first year yeah. overseas. You know, if they don't go to the NBA. So nobody's thinking about the mental aspect that it's going to have. Trust me. The short-term uh, happiness of it, phenomenal. But nobody's thinking about the long-term residual of this situation, which is going to be tough. 
do you see yourself getting involved in something like that where you would say, okay, I feel like this is a, a big gap and we need to help educate these kids on their mental health so that when, I mean, right now I have, uh, I'm a big Rocky fan, the movie Rocky. <laughs> like, I think, was it? Which one? Well, Which Rocky 3 is probably my favorite. And I think okay. that's okay. what I'm thinking about is that conversation where Rocky and Adrian are on the beach, you know, and he's just not trying. And she's like, you know, when they stop chanting your name, it's just going to be us. And I think that that's yes. kind of what you're getting to is, you know, at some yes. point people stop chanting your name when you're yes. in a high profile athlete. Yes. And it's, it's, it's not easy. Um, one of my first players I ever coached 19 years ago, Kyle Camper, he played pro for a year or two. And um, I just remember his wife calling me and saying, he's mm. struggling, not playing basketball. He, 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 don't feel, he don't feel like he's worthy anymore, you know, because that adrenaline ain't rushing. And his wife was so awesome that she helped channel his competitive um, nature and, you know, his work ethic from sports. And now he has a successful company and he kind of like used the same intangibles he did from basketball to being one of the young up and coming successful business owner in the like, you know, delivery uh, wow. field as, you know, delivering products for Amazon and those stuff. So, it's pretty cool to see uh, him channel his energy that and way. And that's probably your hope as a coach that, you know, from what I've read and understand about you and Coach Tang, it's more than winning basketball games or championships. It's making these young men ready to be good, productive citizens of life after basketball is over. 1,000% mm. correct. Uh, 1,000, and, and coach wouldn't want it any other way. We know we got to win ball games to keep our job, and we're going to do so. And I, I always like to tell our fan base, we're not going to win every game, but it's not going to be for a lack mm. of trying. It's, it's not. We're always going to put our best foot forward, and our players will because they know Coach Tang and the staff loves them more than just for putting the ball in the hoop. Yeah. And... Uh, Coach Tang is so great that in the beginning, um, every week he meets with players for 15 minutes about nothing to do with basketball. And as the season go on, once a month. And if myself or somebody else on the staff sees a player needing love, he'll meet with them there too. But he constantly touched them outside of basketball to make sure they're good, you know, because... If life is not good off the court, it's not going to be good right. on the court. Let's go back to something that you said pretty early on, because I think this is very common. You said your brother was always smiling, always looked happy. And you even said something to that effect in the article that I've referenced from K-State Sports that, you know, just because you're smiling doesn't mean everything's okay let's talk a little bit more about that because I think we are really as people we're guilty of just putting on 
the face and being like, yeah, I'm good, I'm fine, when many times a person's not. Yeah, and, and think about this. <laughs> I, and I just thought about this. When we were younger and you either go to the doctor's office with your kid or when you was a kid, they have those, uh, we call them emojis now. You have the smiley emoji, you have the sad one, you have the 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 angry one, you know, with the red in it, whatever. So we're trained as human beings to judge happiness based on those emojis. You know, when that really probably it's knowing what I know now, it's a false um thing to to judge happiness on. So I was one of those people. My my brother, I, I don't smile that much, okay? I laugh, but I don't smile that much. My brother smiles so much that he'd be like, bruh, what are you so happy about? <laughs> you know? Like, just always smiling. And we just associate smiling with being happy, and that's, that's not the case. There's a lot of people really hurting behind smiles you know so we need to ask so hey how are you really doing not once the coach tang rules really three times. like that and that three times back to back let the conversation go and come back to it a minute later two minutes later but in that same conversation if you could ask a person three times how they're doing the third time they'll eventually tell you how they're really i think doing. that is a great word because all, a lot of times we're all guilty of being like, Hey, how's it going? Fine. Great. Moving on. And exactly. you show that you really care if you keep asking. That's yes. great. Mm. Yeah. So you have become what is known as the hype guy, right? <laughs> For... I, that, yeah. He, I don't know why. I just, being through what I've been through, uh, you gotta live. You know, you 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 gotta live. You can't um, you can't tiptoe around because you don't know when it's gonna be your time to go. So you gotta live. You know, and I wake up in the morning and now annoying my wife, my beautiful wife Sierra, um, playing loud music. You know, from the time I wake up, I just. Music is on, you know, like you, you got to live and I want to bring positive energy to people uh, because I know what positive energy can do for somebody. And uh, <laughs> this is going to be funny, but um, there's a car wash in town. OK, it's called. Hold on one second. This is this is this is going to be funny. Um, and just to let you know how much Coach Tang uh, loves mental health. We, we have a staff meeting at 930, and I text them, and I told them that I'm... Nope, nope. Don't okay. even look at the clock. Do not look mm -hmm. at the clock. I text them. I said, Coach, I'm on a very important mental health call. And he loved it and said, do your uh, thing. That's, that's who I'm working tell for. Coach Tang, thank you from me. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, that's Amazing. who I'm working for. So there's a car wash in town called Tommy's Car okay. Wash. I grew up around my dad where he washed his car every time he left the house. It always had to be clean. And I, I kept that with me 
to this day. And he, my dad still washes his car all the time. He refuses to leave with a dirty car. And I go to Tommy's car wash because it's a self, like, that drives mm-hmm. you through. And it's it's probably the best I've ever been around, ever owning a car. But the part about Tommy's car wash that I love the most, every time you drive through Tommy's car wash, the person operating the machine mm-hmm. waves at you. And it makes you feel good that you're noticed. And you never know who's going through that car wash. That might be the only wave that that person get mm. for the day. And sometimes I go through three and four times a day. And I wave right back. So the things that we take for granted, um, as much as a wave or, or saying hello to somebody that might feel invincible, uh, mm. it goes a long way. That's good. So the simple yeah. things. The simple things. How are you? Hey, how's it going? <laughs> yes. Amazing. In closing, is there anything that I have not asked you or anything that you want to say? Um, are you closing because I said Coach Tang? <laughs> no. I mean, I'm not dirty. I'm a, <laughs> I promise. Okay, I'm being. I'm gonna be late okay. anyway, so don't no. like. I'm. I'm not late. I just get there I when I get Thank there. You. I'm on island I time today. That. We're from the island, so he understands island time. Oh, island time. I love (laughs) island time. Mm. Yes. No, I'm really not. I'm just, I I promise I'm I'm really not doing that. But I do want to ask you if there's anything that we haven't talked about or touched on that you want to bring up or go into more detail about. I think things I'd probably like to reiterate. Nothing is too small or too big in mental health where you can't ask for help. Um, And what causes mental health for somebody else might not cause it for you. Uh, You never know what somebody's really going through. So be as kind as you possibly can because you don't know if you can be a good trigger for somebody by being kind or be a bad trigger for somebody by mm. being mean. Um, so be as kind as you can to people because there's a lot of people suffering from this thing. And um, don't be embarrassed to get therapy. Uh, I was embarrassed to do it the first time around. Um, I skipped probably my first five appointments. Yeah, because I was like, you see movies and you see people sitting on a couch (laughs) and you're like, you have this like, okay, something's wrong with you because you're talking to a therapist. And it's actually my, it's my happy place now. It's my safe place. Uh, I can talk basketball. I could talk about my wife making me eat the same thing for three days. Um, I could, I could just, I could just express myself and not, um, have to feel, uh, judged. Um, even when you think nobody loves you, there's one person that do love you. 
and it's the man above. Uh, he makes no mistake. Uh, and probably my last thing I would say is don't chase what people call mm -hmm. success. Don't chase whatever what everybody else wants you to chase. Chase good people. Because the more good people you have in your life, uh, you're able to make it through the hard times. And I've had so many different crutches in friends and family that just to thank them, eventually I'm gonna mm -hmm. write a book. You should. Because I don't, I don't wanna do a podcast and not mention somebody's name. And if I didn't mention your name, it ain't. It don't mean that I'm not thankful for what you did for me, because there's so many people that helped me along the way, and I think the only way I can eventually thank all of them is by putting every individual person in the book, because I remember every single one of them. I remember every moment they helped me. I remember every phone call they answered, and uh, I remember everything mm. vividly, you know. And I, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for reaching out to me um, on, on this beautiful uh, platform and allow me to to share my story. Uh, I want to let you know that you're brave. Um, what you're doing is going to continue to help people. Uh, if you ever, 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 ever need me for anything, you have my I number do. now. Uh, I won't tell it to anybody Please else. reach out. Yeah, don't give it to anybody else. But feel free to reach out. Continue to shine your light on this. Um, and let people know it's okay to not be okay. Uh, I, I'm, I'm grateful for you even thinking of me to bring me on here to share my story. And um, I love you for loving the education of mental health and wanted to mm. spread it and i think uh people like yourself and me talking about it more brings more awareness to it and if we help one person with this interview we've that's done our job we can't save everybody that's just life we can't but if we can help one person go seek help talk to somebody go get therapy, you know, we, we've done an amazing job. And this this was a great uh, interview. I know I talked a lot, but I felt so comfortable talking to you because you were so receptive. So that's why I just kept talking. Sometimes my wife be like, you talk too much, shut up, you know? No, you don't talk too much at all. And I cannot thank you enough for your time and your openness and your vulnerability in sharing some really hard things. And I know that our conversation, this conversation, it, it's going to help somebody. And like you said, if it's just one person, great. High five. Yep. And I look forward to meeting you in person sometime. So when you're in Kansas City or I'm in Manhattan, maybe cheering for the other purple team but i'll be cheering for you that's for sure <laughs> no matter what so 
um, I'll, I'll, I'll come find you and we'll, we'll meet in person. Thank you so much yeah. for having me. Thank you, Coach Reem. Is it okay if I call you that? Because that's what everybody calls you, Absolutely. Right? Coach Reem. Absolutely. The hype guy. Yep. I'll put uh, um, you know, all of your social medias when when we get when we put this out, um, so that people can follow you and your energy and enthusiasm. It's infectious. I, I mean, you're making me smile just because of your love for life and people and. I just thank you so much for being on this episode of the Just a Mom podcast. If you or someone you know is struggling with suicidal thoughts or ideation, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 988. If you found this podcast helpful, please subscribe and leave a rating and or a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, please share this with your friends and anyone you think may find these interviews helpful. Thanks again for listening to Just a Mom.